before you listen to this podcast, I just wanted to jump on and let you know we actually recorded this on the 18th of November. At the time, um, Biden had not nominated Powell to be on the US Federal Reserve. Since then, he's been nominated back in. We've also had quite an interesting weekend. As the beginning of the weekend, um, there was some new strains of COVID that came out of South Africa. So as you can see, the markets have been affected by this as well. But I'm going to leave you to enjoy this next show with our special guest, Brett Baker. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to today's episode of Equity Gals. I am your host, Julia, and I am with my co-host, Amy. So in this week's episode, we are having the privilege of actually chatting with Amy's husband, Brett Baker. So Brett Baker's actually had, you know, quite the experience over the years in working in financial markets. Um, so Brett's had 30 years experience working in financial markets. He's a director of Recap Advice, works as a futures trader in the derivatives market, and has a vested interest in private equity and angel investing. Brett also previously co-founded Evergreen Consultants, which is an independent investment consulting business, working with financial advisory firms to provide a range of bespoke investment solutions designed to deliver flexibility, efficiency, and an enhanced client experience. Evergreen was founded in 2016 and is now recognized as one of the preeminent investing consulting services in Australia. Brett has also had experience managing sales team of Citigroup, which he developed and managed wholesale banking services that sold a range of financial products to financial intermediaries. So in this week's episode, Brett is going to provide us with insights into the future of global equity markets, the current inflationary environment, and future trend, uh, investment trends. So, Brett, we are so happy to have you on the show today. How are you? That's a pretty big wrap. I hope I can, um, I hope I can sort of fit in there. You've got a, a pretty impressive um, <laughs> professional history. It's pretty clear that back in the early 2000s, um, good staff were hard to get, so they ended up with people like me <laughs> uh, running things. What a disaster that was. Um, anyway, thank you. Well, welcome. So um, I know Brett very well because he's my husband and we work closely together. Um, Brett works um, with me building our client investment portfolios and he has been, he's sort of got his finger on the pulse at all times. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say that because um, he gets up at stupid hours to hear announcements of what's going on overseas. So he's a great one to have on the show and I was excited to get him here because there's a lot of talk about inflation right now. There's a lot of talk about what the markets are doing and how inflation is um, potentially going to affect things and also what's potentially going on over in China. So we thought, hey, let's get it from the horse's mouth, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> and I say that because that's, that's the other interest that Brett has is horses. So anyway, um, so yeah, Brett, I wanted to get you on to talk about all this hype, this talk around inflation at the moment. Um, thank you, Amy. Look, it's not hype. Um, it's it's real and it's there. Um, I know a number of the central bank people in various countries around the world um, have started to use the word transitory. Um, I didn't even know there was such a word that existed. I, I, I thought once you've got inflation in the system, it's in the system. And when you've got numbers coming out of the US that are the highest they've had in 30 years, that 
isn't going to go away in, a, in any hurry. Um, you know, yes, you've got supply chain issues that are exasperating these, um, you know, the, the, these price hikes. But once again, those supply chain issues aren't just going to vanish either. Um, I think you're still looking at 12 to 18 months before we get back to, you know, a, a pre-pandemic type of situation. Um, and you've got inflation, you know, over 6%, core inflation over 6% in the States. That goes back to 1992. And in 1992, we had interest rates in Australia around 17, 18%. So at the moment, we're zero. Um, you know, I, I think that sort of, that shows you how, how interesting this situation is. You know, it's not just the States. You had big numbers come out of um, the UK last night. You had euro inflation as well. I think, you know, it, it's quite amazing. Our inflation is probably globally uh, as low as anywhere. And yet um, you've got various banks and, um, you know, in the bond market suggesting that we're going to have uh, rises, interest rate rises that are, that are imminent, which is just incorrect. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, the, uh, the governor of the RBA came out and quashed that. Um, in, in a in a discussion earlier this week, and just said it's not going to happen. We're not raising rates for because house prices are up. We don't do that. Uh, it's 2024, and that's it. And the market's got it wrong. So I think we're probably the only, one of the only countries in the world where that is the case. Um, I suggest that maybe you know Jerome Powell's done a great job dragging the US out of. Um, what was a real disaster pandemically for them. I mean, compared to what, you know, they're still getting 85,000 cases a day. Uh, and that's, and they're doing really well with it. So, you know, he's got them out of a really nasty situation, but inflation's in the system and it's not going anywhere. And I think they've let it get ahead that I think they've let inflation get ahead, get ahead of them. And now they're going to have to play catch up. And that's not the way you want to deal with it. So I think they've got a problem. Do you think they're going to raise interest rates anytime soon? Well, there's the first thing they're doing, Julia, is they're tapering. So there's been this massive amount of stimulus that's gone into the system to keep everything going while effectively the system was locked down. Um, and you that tapering process, the, the quantitative easing, they're, they're now starting to taper that easing. Mm. Um, and look, the, the market's taken that really well. Um, the last time they did this, 2013, markets didn't take it well. This time, it's okay. Uh, the market realises that, uh, that, that this is what has to occur. Tapering's supposed to finish by middle of next year, uh, and then they're talking potentially two interest rate rises in 2022. Um, there's even sort of half a third one um, priced in. Now... That's a lot of rises in six months. Um, Powell came out and said that he wouldn't taper at the same time as rising as raising rates. But I don't know if the taper timeline they've got at the moment is going to be enough to put the lid on this inflation. So uh, it just keeps going up. And, you know, Biden's got the, an incredibly low popularity um, rating at the moment. You've got massive price hikes in the States. You've got the highest petrol prices they've seen in 30 years. The US public is pissed off, and I don't think that they're going to be okay with, oh, yeah, well, 
you know, the Dow Jones is going through 36, 37,000 and there's heaps of people making cash, but, you know, the, um, the average US citizen is under massive stress and that's not a good thing as a, as a, as a sitting president with a really low, um, with a really low popularity rate. Something's got to give. Um, so if something's got to give, when, when things do change, when rates are risen, they make, they make changes. What, what does that look like then for the average investor? How does that affect the markets, not just globally, but here in Australia? Because what goes on overseas often then comes through to our markets. We react, right? Amy, all the time. It look, you know, the the, uh, the last time I saw a bit of a disconnect between the ASX and 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 the US market was late last year, briefly uh, for a period. We were going one way, they were going the other way. Now, since then, it hasn't happened. Um, sure, there's been a few things that are sort of Australian-centric that may have affected our market a little bit differently, such as lockdowns and such. Um, but if something happens in the States, we feel it. It's as simple as that. Uh, so I think if they stick to the the existing taper timeline and then start raising rates and they end up with two rate rises towards the end of next year... Um, you're going to see equity markets continue to, um, to to charge ahead, and and it's still going to be a risk-on environment, um, you know. And barring any anything else, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's a, a different strain of COVID or, or a resurgence of Delta over the Christmas period, you know, over the winter period in the Northern Hemisphere. I think you'll see equity markets kick on. If, however, um, they do something different. And, and look, my view is that they're going to have to do something different. There's enough noise out there now that they will need to do something different. And um, getting back to something that I think is incredibly important, Powell is the chairman of the FOMC, so the, the Federal Open Market Committee. His tenure is up in February of next year. Now, normally by now, he would already have been nominated to be the, to, to go back in and have another four years or someone else would have been nominated. But this hasn't happened. Now, Biden has come out and said there'll be an announcement in four days' time, which actually puts it on Sunday, which makes no sense to me whatsoever, unless, of course, they're going to make a change and they want the markets to at least have a day off to think about things before they react. The other individual that's been interviewed for the position is far more hawkish than what... Um, Powell has been and if there was to be a change in the chairmanship of the FOMC you would see markets tank in my opinion um, and that's so look oh, I think there's a bump coming um, you know equity markets globally here US um, Germany um, you know even the FTSE to a lesser degree are, are at some of the highest levels we've ever seen them. In the States and Germany, they are the highest. So that just simply can't continue. Um, when things go up, they always come back down and, and vice versa. You know, that's, um, that's the market. So what causes it? Is it a change in the chairmanship of the FOMC? Um, I think that's, that's what will cause it. Uh, is it the other big situation that's carrying on um, that's in China at the moment, which is some of their very large property developers which are the largest in the world defaulting on their um on their bond payments on their on their debt repayments um when that was brought to attention some months ago 
markets um, really took a hit. And, and and for me, I sort of thought, well, why is this China issue um, affecting you know US markets and our market and, and various other things? Uh, it then, after a couple of days, things sort of calmed down and, and, and everybody came out and said, no, it's China's problem, it's not our problem, it's China's problem. It won't contaminate anywhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate. I think you're sort of potentially coming into a bit of a perfect storm where you've got some indecision around who's running the show over in the States. You've got problems with um, property developers in China, which could spread to other areas um, of the property markets globally and you know then you've got our friend inflation you got a few there's a few things that would be concerning um, risk investors equity investors at the moment or should be in my opinion sounds like the perfect storm which sort of really is where places in the hands of you know the concept of behavioral economics where people start shifting and moving and almost panicking because there's so much uncertainty um, which also creates more uncertainty in the markets yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it feeds on itself. But it does. That's yeah. what happens. I think a lot of people are likening the situation to the GFC. But I think with COVID, it's like an unprecedented situation. And like like you said with Biden earlier, he went like hardcore with the exacerbated quantitative easing in the initial stages because he was taking into account of how they went about it in the GFC. And they reflected upon that and realized that um, that didn't work in the past. So... Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really not sure where we would be seeing the markets like heading. So I'm really interested to see your thoughts, because it's like it's really hard to compare it to anything that's happened historically. So. Well, you can't. You know, I, I know, um, Julie, you've suggested it's similar to the GFC. Um, I'm saying people have likened it. Maybe yeah. the the buoyancy in markets mm. is, but that's it. Yeah. The GFC was an issue that was was based around. Uh, mortgage-backed securities and and you know bad ratings advice etc cetera, etc cetera. and we can talk you know that's a whole nother show. Um, this is different. This is a pandemic that the world hasn't seen since the Spanish flu, so that's over a hundred years. Um, and and the way it's been dealt with, they dealt the 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 the, um, the monetary policy. Yes, agree. It's exact. They de- dealt with it the same way as the GFC. Let's throw money at it so things don't fail. Mm. That's what they did. Yeah. But they've thrown so much more money yeah. at it this time <laughs> that it's in the system. And, you know, you can't get it out of the system. Um, I, I think, you know, the states especially, they're behind the curve. And I think, I, I honestly think they've got a bit of a problem. Yeah, how do you kickstart kick an economy that's like have been injected so yeah. much income into it? I'm not sure how that works. I'm going to just sort of throw a curveball here because we could go down the road of the doom and gloom, um, but our listeners are primarily looking to get direction on how to you know, how to invest and how to build portfolios and how this affects obviously our portfolios, how this yeah. affects our investments is it's important to actually know what's really going on and look under the hood to what is actually causing everything, which you've just given us some great insight on. But I guess the next question is, 
if you have a portfolio, if you are in, you're already in, invested, what do you do? Where do you go now? What would you be looking to invest, hedge your, you know, portfolio? What would you be thinking to go you do when we're going into this potential uncertain time? Yeah, look, um, good call. Um, obviously, you know, in my situation with the tools that I've got and that I use, I just liquidate everything and sit on the side or actually I sell it. I actually short the market and then wait for it to fall and then I buy back in. Um, much more difficult for retail investors who don't have those sort of tools. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is don't panic. Um, markets have had an incredible rise. You've seen, you know, people that have been invested in an ASX index tracking ETF have seen 20 plus percent over the last 12 months. That's great. It's not going to happen very often, so it's fantastic. So if you give a bit back, if you give back three or four percent, don't worry about it too much. Be happy with what you've got. Um, what I would also say, I mean, I wouldn't be topping up my portfolio right at this second. I would be holding off and I would be, there's no point in trying to buy TDs or any of that because there's no value in any of that at the moment. I would just be sitting in cash for the next couple of weeks and waiting. Um, this isn't something that I think is going to go on and on and on for months and months and months. I think we're coming to a bit of a head, um, coming towards the end of the year. So I think if we were at this similar situation, um, look, you know, I think if if Powell gets back in, it's pretty much business as usual. You know, and the markets are dealing with inflation. Um, I can't get my head around it, but the markets seem to be able to. So, look, what I would say to your investors um, or, or, you know, the people that are sort of thinking about it is just hold off and just be a bit wary for a little while. Uh, but then if there is a dip um, and maybe it's sort of 3 to 4%, maybe it's a little bit more, um, buy into that dip. Right? Um, we're, we're, I don't think we're going into a bear market of sorts. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see, think you're going to see falling equity markets for the next... Um, three or four years like we had in the early 2000s. I don't think that's going to happen. There's too much money in the system. That's just it. There's huge amounts of cash in the system. So people are going to want to buy risk assets, and risk assets means they want to buy shares. So markets will continue to go up. What I'm suggesting is that in the short term, we could see a blip. So... And as you stated, in that bleep, if the markets drop, that's actually an opportunity. Don't panic. Don't sell. Don't panic. Just hang Don't on. sell because if you sell, you crystallise the loss. But if you're looking at the markets and all of a sudden there is a drop, hey, that's an opportunity then to buy shares, buy you know ETS, buy things at a discount price. That's sort of the way you've got to look at it. Absolutely. Wait. Wait till the market stabilises. Wait till. Um, you start to hear some positive news on whatever it was that caused the problem, be it Chinese property developers, be it inflation, be it a change in, in um, chairmanship at the, at the Fed, or whatever else it might be. I mean, I don't know. There's a million other things it could be. Um, you know, oil prices, if they start to head back up towards 100 bucks, I mean, that's going to scare people. I don't think they will, but that could. Um, so, yeah, hold fire, wait. Wait till you see some positive momentum back into the market that you're looking to invest in and then invest and be confident with what you're doing. Um, it's, you know, I don't have any more advice other than Do you that. have a time horizon for how long you think? Well, look, personally, I do. I think, you know, like, and, and I, I know you guys have sort of alluded to what I do here. So obviously with, with, our, with our family money, the majority of it is invested in, you know, we, we're very diversified. We have 
some private equity, we have um, debt, we have property, uh, we have the same portfolios that we, you know, that Amy and I build for Amy's client base. Um, and then we have my little bit on the side, which is a couple of hundred grand that we play in the futures market with. Um, I'm short pretty much everything at the moment. I'm short the ASX, I'm short the Dow, um, I've sold oil, um, I'm short our currency against the US and also the Kiwi. Uh, I think that's all I've got on. Can I just? Can you just clarify for those who don't understand the term short? Oh, look. Um, what I can do with futures is I can actually sell the market instead of buying it. So I don't have to just be what I would call long the market, buy the market. I can actually sell the market. So I can actually have a short position of futures. So in other words, you're looking at the market and you see it dropping off. You're seeing it. it we think it's going to drop down. So you're you're sort of predicting that that and, and investing on that outcome. Yeah. So f- for example, let's look at the currency against the U.S. dollar. Um, U.S. dollar they priced in two and a half rate rises uh, next year. We. For some reason, the market decided though the uh, RBA was going to raise rates next year, which was just absolute rubbish. Um, the RBA is not going to be dictated to by the market. The market got it wrong. So what you've seen over the last week is the Aussie currency come off massively against the US, which is, I, I guess, what I was waiting for, for, for someone from the RBA to come out and go, guys, what are you doing? And that's what's happened. It's been great. It's been fantastic. Um, uh, you know, so, yeah, I can do that. I can actually benefit when markets fall, if I get it right. If you get it right. <laughs> if you get it right. <laughs> and, you know, there's been many long nights where I've got it wrong. So, yeah, no one's perfect. Yeah, we, we all get it wrong from time to time. Um, but how are you doing – I know you're doing the research mainly on looking at, like, reading up a lot of articles and, and – doing your research and, and seeing what's going on. Is that the main basis on how you determine whether you're going to short sell or... Oh, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in front of a couple of screens and, um, you know, I've got Bloomberg TV on most of the time and I'm just, I'm just watching, you know, I'm sort of here 12, 14 hours a day um, just looking at screens and listening to stuff and reading things and having a view i mean i mean, you know i've been in markets since 1995 um in various areas um i was a futures trader um for a couple of large banks over in london initially and then i actually got on the sales side uh when i got back to uh when i got back to australia and worked in a number of places such as city and ubs and then and then did my own thing so so this is like going back to the future for me um it's. I hadn't traded futures for 20 years, but when my um, equity stake in Evergreen uh, was finally uh, gotten rid of, I suppose, when I finally got myself out of that mess, um, I went back to something that I've always known that I was reasonable at and that I've loved. And I just love numbers. And it's... Um, it's something that I'm really excited about, and it was per- it's a perfect job in lockdown. You know, you can sit in a room surrounded by screens, and you don't have to do anything. And if you're any good, you can make some cash. So that's what I've been doing. Um, and yeah, look, I, I just I read a lot, Julia. I, I watch a lot. I listen, and then I formulate a view. And you know, my portfolio is based out of 
intraday trading, which is, you know, my what I would call my sniping sort of trading, where I, I, I see something happening and I get in and a couple of hours later I get out and, and try and make some money. Um, and then it's also, I have my longer term views. So as I've said at the moment, short oil, short the Aussie currency against a couple of different currencies. Um, the ASX trade is probably, I wouldn't call it a long term view. It's like I said, it's probably a couple of yeah. weeks. Um, and so is the Dow. Yeah. So, I, you know, they're not really long-term views. They're sort of medium-term in my world, which is anything over 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, which is completely so, yeah. opposite to the kind of Absolutely. investing that we do for our clients and that we talk about Amy, on the we've, show. We've built, some, we've built some fantastic portfolios for your clients, um, and they've performed incredibly well through a very testing time. They are five to seven year plus portfolios depending on risk buckets um, they you know your clients are incredibly happy they've done a great job but that's there's and there's a part of our family money that sits in those portfolios just not the part that I play not with at all. that doesn't make <laughs> yeah, any no, sense there's just two different approaches and the part that I play with is a small part yeah. yeah there's two different approaches to investing and I think it's good to hear both sides of the coin Oh, look, Julia, the way that your client base and, and, and the people that are watching the show should be investing is, you know, the, the five to seven year taking a long term view, um, and, and, you know, ideally getting your sort of, you know, seven, eight, nine percent a year. That, that's what you should be doing. You don't, you don't do what I'm doing because it's it's incredibly high risk and if you don't know what you're doing, you buy yourself Yeah, up. it's very complicated. But so. the point of having you on the show is really because you've got the insight. As I stated in the beginning, introducing you, you've got your finger on the pulse. You're already you seeing what's going on. So it's great when we are looking at portfolio construction, when you and I talk about stuff for clients, when we talk about our own long-term plans. Um, and also, you know, we've also offline and the three of us have had chats about well, what's what's the what's going to happen with this inflation issue? What could yeah. potentially happen to the market? So having your insight is incredibly valuable for those who are actually looking at investing. If you have an understanding of what's going on, then you understand why the markets react the way they do, and that mm. then helps you make those decisions of when you buy and what you're buying and why you're buying. Yeah. Exactly. You're investing in. That was perfect. Absolutely. And look, you know, the way our portfolios are, are built for, uh, for RecAB advice is that, um, you know, my job is to go out and, and find the best managers that suit your business model and that manage money in the best way possible, you know, um, and, I guess, you know, the Evergreen, the Evergreen business, that's what Evergreen was. You know, Evergreen was an asset consult, or is an asset consulting business that, um, you know, works with, uh, high-end financial advisory groups and, um, builds portfolios for them. And a lot of that work is around the blending of portfolios, but primarily the, the most important thing is finding the, the best managers to manage the money. So true to form managers, the people that actually, regardless of what's going on in markets, they manage money the same way all day, every day, and that's what they do. Um, as long as, you know, and, and those people are hard to find. Yeah, exactly. So we might be digressing from investing, but I wanted to know more about, because I do know that you both have a very vested interest in the private equity sector. And so I'm really intrigued because, <laughs> you know, I'm quite into startup 
the startup community. Mm. I just want to know if you guys could provide more insights into what you look for when you're investing in startups and, you know, what, what are you looking for when you, what do you, when do you know you've seen a good company? Well, when you've invested in enough bad ones <laughs> and lost enough money <laughs> to work out, to work out, um, oh, hang on, this one's actually okay because it's doing all right. Um, I know one of the questions that, you know, one of the questions that y- you ask everybody and, and I, I saw today um, was what was your worst in- investment and best investment and why? Um, let me bring that back to private equity. My worst investment was investing in a private equity business up in Queensland that was run by a mate, still is, uh, cost me, us, better part of a million dollars and lost a great friendship. What did I do? I believed the hype and that's something you just can't do in, in that type of market. You've got to realize that you're in an incredibly risky part of the market. It's not something that most people should even look at. Um, if you want to get into, um, you know, private equity, there's some great private equity managers out there that, that retail investors can access. We use a group for our, for our clients called Partners, uh, and, and they're fantastic. And it's one way actually that, that mum and dad investors can actually access that private equity market and know you've got a team of brilliant people managing the money across 60 or 70 different investments all wrapped up in a fund. Sure, it's an expensive fund to be in, but guess what? They're really good at it and make a lot of money. Um, and, you know, you don't end up in a situation that, that Amy and I have ended up in, which is um, which is scary, you know, um, because private equity is hard work, and if you don't know what you're doing, as these guys didn't, um, you lose your money. Simple as that. So, look, I think... Looking at it now, what would we be looking at for that situation? Um, you've, the company's really got to have an edge and it's really got to have a very, very solid background and it's got to have solid numbers. The, the whole, oh, well, this is where we're at and this is where we're going to get to and this is exciting. If, if you want to invest in companies like that, that's fine, but just expect that you will lose your money 90% of the time. Um, you know, that, uh, it, it, it's hard to get the information you need to make an informed decision. So you've really got to be, you know, even in our situation, we were incredibly close to people running that business and it just didn't work. That was a nightmare. So, um, look, I think that uh, you've, you've got to be really involved as, as close to the, the business as you possibly can be. And the business has got to be making money. Otherwise, yeah. Look, there's a lot, there's a lot of better ways to do it than the way we do it, which is, you know, a way we did it. We don't do it anymore. Uh, which was, you know, throw enough mud at a wall and some of it will stick. And, and, you know, it was a more sort of a hope thing. Um, in saying that, you know, what's the best investment and why? Um, we've been incredibly lucky to invest with, um, with, with a different friend of mine, um, who's incredibly He's got a, a, a fantastic financial background. He's um, he's very good at the space in, in the market that that uh, he's got the business that's running. I won't name the business at the moment, but just because it's um, it's getting ready to list and all sorts of things. But that will be by far our best investment. Um, you know, they talk about investments. If if you're lucky in a private equity situation, you might get a two to three bagger, which is, you know, two to three times your money. 
once in a blue moon you might get a six or seven bagger and if you're really, really lucky, once in your life you might get a ten bagger. This investment for us will end up being a lot more than that and you know, um it's it's a game changer. It's fantastic. So yeah, but look you know, you kiss enough frogs, I suppose. You, you might get a find princess, a prince. but Oh, princess. Yeah, yeah princess I think for me. No princess, thanks. <laughs> Nothing against it. Nothing wrong with it. But I've got <laughs> no my prince, honey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it's hard work. Hard yeah, work. I think you're definitely. Sounds like you guys have learnt some valuable lessons. Yeah, expensive. expensive lessons. <laughs> expensive lessons, Julia. Yeah, you know, I guess it's part of it's a part of life, and it's kind of a mm. part of the process. And it sounds like you guys have really reflected on that and and learnt from it. And I guess that's the most you can ask out of a really shit situation. I mean, I think one thing that is to our advantage with what we do and where we stand to help other people is that we've actually, we practice what we preach. We've been down the road. We've been stuck in the mud, so to speak. We've done the hard yards. We've done the education. Um, and of that, we're very, we're open books. We're very open to share, you know, the, the pitfalls as well as the wins. Um, and that's sort of, I think, where the success, go, you know, I think is, is, is going forward because those who listen to us on the podcast or, you know, my other one or clients who come and talk to me or the money mindset stuff is, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and so does Brett and we're really honest and we're, we've actually done it. We're not actually talking through our teeth, so to speak. We're talking out of actual true experience um, in all areas. So I appreciate Brett's actually opened up more than I expected him to. And so I actually saw that question and I was like, I'm not even going to answer that or ask that. And he answered <laughs> it before we even bothered asking. So thank you for well, that. Well, I didn't name and shame. I just sort of. Yeah, but it's know. great. It's great for our listeners to, to hear the pitfalls and also the successes. Oh, look, yeah, well, that's exactly. just it. You know, that part of the market, Julia, is really bloody hard work. And if somebody with 25 years experience, and look, I'm not the smartest bloke in the world. I'm just good with numbers um, and, and, you know, every now and then good with people. Um, <laughs> if I can dust the better part of a million bucks um, thinking it was all going to be great, then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a scary area yeah. unless you're very, very close to companies to get involved in. And, and as I said, I think there's better ways to do it. Yeah. So... I think the safest way is looking at listed companies. The information's there. There's transparency. You can see it's, you know, if they're paying dividends, all of that kind of information. Sorry. There's enough options, though, Amy, if you do want to get involved in private equity, yeah. you know, and you don't have huge amounts of money, and you know, because if you go into a, a various private equity funds, you might put X, X in, and then t two years later they go, right, we've got to call on some cash. We need three times X. We need this. We need that. And you sign up. To, that's the sort of thing you sign up for. Um, there are, as I've said, you know, I mentioned partners, and there, there are other managers out there as well that do at this at the retail level, and you can get the benefits, um, and you get professionals to manage it. And that's just a better way to do it. And that, that so. they are in our portfolios. So, Julia, you have... Yeah, yeah. You have uh, exposure to private equity there. Well, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. There you go. Um, after listening to Brett, I'm feeling I'm feeling very. Um, he's got a lot of experience, so I'm feeling good where I'm putting my money at the moment. So, um, <laughs> it's good to know. Yeah. And also Amy, I trust Amy so much. Um, so we'll do the 
I've got the last closing question that we ask all of our guest speakers. What is the one thing you can't live without? So this could be an app, a person. Um, you might want to say Amy there. <laughs> something. What is the one yeah, thing you can't live without? Okay. Your everyday life. Well, look, of course, it's got to be my darling wife. Today's our anniversary. Yeah. Uh, we've been married four years today, which has been, um, you know, there's been some challenging times there. You know, we, we're, I'm an old person and we've got a two year old now. So, <laughs> um, you know, I've got my, my darling daughter and, and son from a, from a previous, um, existence and, and now we've got Gracie Baker here as well and she's a little superstar. So whilst I might be getting up at 12.30 to watch numbers from the States and 4am to listen to Mr. Powell talk about all sorts of rubbish, Amy Baker's up at all hours dealing with, um, the little superstar. So, um, look, I couldn't live without her, um, because, we wouldn't be in this situation, you know, we wouldn't be here doing stuff. Um, uh, you know, I think Amy, when Amy and I met, I was working in a business that I'd set up, Evergreen. It was an incredibly toxic situation. Uh, I was not a happy person. Um, I didn't like, you know, and, and this is, this isn't news to anybody. I didn't like the person I was working with and co-founded the business with. So, you know, um, Amy sort of, got me out and thinking about other things and walking away from that business is the best thing I ever did. So, yeah. Um, I couldn't live without Miami Baker, that's for sure. Thank you, darling. Um, well, you guys both look so beautiful. Yeah. And and also, Julie, if I'm allowed to throw a few more things in, I couldn't live without my stable of horses yeah. um, because everyone has to have a hobby and I have lots of them um, and a few slow ones as well. So, no, that's... That's that's me. Oh, that's awesome. You guys both look beautiful getting ready to go out to your dinner. Yeah, we are. We're going to a musical because Amy's a musical person, so I can have a snooze. <laughs> it'll be great. You'll love it, I promise you. Yeah, no, it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see Hamilton, which is exciting. Right, you just gotta pretend you gotta pretend you wanna be there. You're thrilled. Get yourself pumped up. I pretend a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be amazing. <laughs> I would love to go see Hamilton. Oh, anyway, look it'll, it'll be really exciting. All right, well, I'm so glad that we had you on today, Brett. You provided us with so much um, valuable information. Thank you. That's good. I was thinking, how are we going to talk for an hour? And then, wow, I managed to do (laughs) it. An hour (laughs) came and went. I never shut up. And before you all go, if you like what you hear, share it, like please leave a review and definitely subscribe. We're also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. No, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Are we on Facebook? I always We're question on that everything. one. We're on everything. <laughs> um, and we're going to start putting out reels and sort of, uh, so you can actually see the shows in snippets and stuff. We're just working all that out. The end of this is a disclaimer. My disclaimer is that you should be seeking financial advice and consider this as general. We do not know your personal circumstances. And thank you so much for having, uh, for being here today, Brett, for coming on board. I'm just around the corner. <laughs> just in the other room. Thank you to whoever's listening right now for listening in on our conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I wish you all um, a safe, wonderful afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you are. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And we have an Uber with our name on <laughs> yes, it. Yes, we do. So let's go. Bye, guys. Have a lovely evening tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. 
Before you go, I want to remind you that everything discussed is general in nature. We are unaware of your personal circumstances, so the information we have discussed may not be right for you. It is important to consider your personal situation and seek financial advice from a licensed advisor. Amy Baker is an authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management Propriety Limited, Australian Financial Service Licence 288241. Recap Advice is a trading name of Recap Enterprises Propriety Limited, ABN 22607854240, a corporate authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management, AFSL 288241. I would also like to acknowledge the Bidigal and Gadigal people who are the traditional custodians of this land. I would like to pay respects to the elders, both past and present, of the Bidigal and Gadigal nations and extend that respect to other Aboriginal pe people. Thank you for listening and don't forget to share the love by sharing this podcast. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. Thank you.